Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Topic of Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. In this roundtable discussion, I'm joined by my sister Kay Kellum. We're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion around the 12 Monkeys movie from 1995. So it's taken me a couple of years, I think a decade or two actually, to get around to watching this. Uh, I picked it up at some point on Blu-ray, probably only within the last six months or a year. Uh, actually, probably a little more from uh, around the time I found out it was going to turn into a TV show. Now, see, I was thinking the fact we picked it up on Blu-ray was right off the bat a hint that we got it the moment it became available for home viewing. Yes, back in 1995, the days of VHS. Yes. Actually, DVD. No, actually, DVDs uh, might have been around then. Um, haven't watched any of the TV series, wanted to watch the movie first. Now that we've done that, eventually we'll get around to watching the the TV series. I am a big fan of time travel. This movie involves time travel. Uh, it's also a movie by Terry Gilliam. Have mixed opinions of his film. Some I've really loved, some not so much. What else has he done? Because nothing popped to mind, but the moment I saw his name, I was like, I know that name. Uh, I believe he was one of the guys from Monty Python. Oh. I could be wrong on that, but he did, I think, Brazil. He did Adventures of Baron Munchausen. I am trying to remember what other films he's done off the top of my head. I've got IMDb handy, because now that you've said that, I'm curious. He's got a lot of uh, writing credits, and Monty Python yeah, is coming up. Yeah, quite a bit. A very talented guy, don't get me wrong. Yeah, 19 director credits. Um, the Imaginarium of Dr. Parmasus, not that I've seen it, but I remember seeing ads for it. Yeah. The Brothers Grimm, The Fisher King, uh, Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Which was a great film. Uh, yeah, The Meaning of Life, Time Bandits, Jabberwocky, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That explains why I knew the name. Thank you. Some of his films tend to be a bit out there. Uh, this one, a little bit of that, not too much of that, but his vision of, of, or not his vision, this is actually a remake of a foreign film. You know, I, uh, I don't know what language the title of the foreign film was in, La Jette, La Jette, um, I'd love to translate it because to me that doesn't scream 12 monkeys. Most assuredly not. Uh. It could be something as simple as the plague. Yeah, exactly. It It's either, uh, I'm guessing, either Spanish, French, possibly Portuguese, um, but I'd love to know what the original title was. Yeah, I have no idea. A French science fiction featurette. It was a short film from 1962. Wow. And it was a post-nuclear war experiment in time travel. Hmm. I love Google at times. Was that Google or was that IMDb? That was simply doing a Google search on the title. Oh, all right. Uh, and my tablet likes to pull up things, and it's available on Hulu, La Jetty. Okay. Uh, really, for finding out stuff about films, between IMDb, Wikipedia, and then Google, you can find out everything you need to know. Yeah. If you've got uh, the right search terms and a little bit of patience. 
Yeah. Well, Google, especially on uh, my mobile devices, has started popping up little abbreviated uh, half windows uh, that kind of preview web pages and give yeah. you a summary of it. It's also great for tracking airline flights because instead of saying go over here, it gives you the departure time and arrival. So anyway. Yes, that's a bit of an aside. It is, we'll get but, back to the movie. But in this case, the fact that it immediately popped up the uh, the brief description of the movie and didn't ask me to click any further. I found on the desktop version, if you put in like a movie thing or whatever, or an actor name, often on the right side, there'll be the information on the thing. So yeah. a lot of what you want right there. Yeah. We've come a long way since I first tried searching the web back in 1995 I was going to say, 1995 is a long time ago, 20 years. This was a, 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 I've got mixed feelings about the film. I mean, on the one hand, I liked it. On the other hand, eh, it was okay. And I can see why you're saying that. Um, it was funny because the first scene that really struck me with the psychiatrist, one of the things that struck me was the fact that she had a pager going off while she was listening to someone's presentation. What struck me is they didn't even clearly identify it as a pager. Yes. She had some beeping going on. Everybody was annoyed, but I'm like, hmm, this is 1990 this is happening. Yes. She shouldn't have a cell phone, yet we never actually saw the pager. Yeah. I mean, would it have killed them to have a quick cut to, oh, it's a pager? Well, and one of the things that, because, you know, we were, we each had our equivalent of popcorn that we were going through during the very beginning of the film so we were kind of calling out the, did you notice this little yeah. thing on the screen to make sure no, neither of us was looking away. When she went into the jail to uh, first meet the other character, I noticed Christopher Plummer in the very background of the back of one of the other cells, and that never mattered. No. Not it, at all. It was just a throwaway. It was the equivalent of a cameo. It, I am puzzled by that. And maybe some, you know, a Wikipedia page or something shed some light on that. Well, and it may be only important in so much as like father, like son. Could be. Or did we all end up in cages at some point? I And that could be too. But I mean, I, there, there may have been a point to it, but it was lost on me. Yeah, well, and I was just thinking, you know, Sun was not a follow-the-rules-by-the-book, well-behaved, perfect prince of a young man. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he was a rabble-rouser and a demonstrator. And, well, and played by Brad Pitt, and this oh, was early in his career. What a performance. Oh, uh, because he was, you know, listed third after Bruce Willis and uh, Madeline Stowe. I thought his performance was, was good, but not great. I I thought he was crazy. I thought he was playing what somebody would expect crazy to look like. Yes. And I thought that's what that character should be. Over the top crazy. It's the kind of role that you put somebody like Johnny Depp in, and he would have sold it, I think, much more than Brad Pitt did. Brad Pitt did good. Well, but to me, and you know, somebody's comment, I always skip to the end of the movie. To me, when you got to the end and uh, Bruce Willis's character is leaving this message of, no, you got it all wrong. It's not the army of the 12 monkeys. It all just suddenly clicks in. And I'm like, you know what? He's totally right. Everybody was looking at the obvious distraction of a crazy person mm -hmm. because it was so 
easy to believe the over-the-top crazy guy would do something over-the-top crazy. Yeah, I never got motive the motivation behind the guy who actually was trying to let the plague loose. We we didn't see enough of him. Uh, that one was played by David Morse, who yes. was on Hack. I liked Hack. I thought that was a good show. I don't know show. that I've, I've watched that show, um, but Hack, I've seen him in tons of other things. Yeah, Hack was the one where a, a police detective loses his badge and is having to work as a taxi driver. Okay. And he just keeps basically working his beat anyway. That basically went, what, two seasons? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he did a great job here, but his character, and the times we get characterization for that character, when he's going to the book signing, some stuff like that, it's before we really know who he is and mm-hmm. why he matters. I have this nagging feeling that any scenes pertaining to him having a motive, any scenes really pertaining to him individually, were on the cutting room floor. And let's review, how long was this movie? Two hours and 15 minutes, give or take? Thereabouts. Um, I think that's why they ended up on the cutting room floor. Well, and again, we got the one or two where he was getting the the book signed and stuff like that. But by this point, it's I recognize the actor. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, this is important, but not memorable enough and his character not central enough at that point in the film for me to care. So coming out of it, I'm like, well... Why did he do what he did? I just have this nagging feeling they had to make a judgment call on, okay, the movie's running way too long. What are we going to leave on the cutting room floor? And that's what went. Maybe, but if so, it was a bad choice. It's an unfortunate choice by far. But I'm sitting here processing through the movie, which we ended 10 minutes ago, so I'm kind of Mm -hmm. too soon after to say for sure, but... What could you have left on the cutting room floor other than? Because I wish... You could have tightened up a lot of scenes. You know, and that's, you know, I was talking with our mother the other day of, okay, you have a 50-minute episode of Heart to Heart as a, for instance. How do you get down to a modern day 42 minutes? You cut out walking down the stairs. You cut out driving up the driveway. Classic case of that when I was in college. um, Uh, Psycho. Yeah. No, no. Uh, that was uh, high school, actually. Oh, yeah. We had a, uh, to tell that story real quick, a uh, English teacher who was a big film buff, and he was telling us one time how uh, they had run Psycho over the weekend, uh, the Hitchcock film, and they did what's known as a roll under. Start the film, let it play, and just go to commercial and leave the film running. So it came back from commercial at the end of the shower scene. Yeah. But actually, the what I was going to say... Was in college, um, there was a continuing education thing I did once, uh, just uh, meet up with some people at night, you know, on uh, Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, let's watch an episode and talk about it, which is cool, Mm because, you know, Star Trek has a lot of themes about, you know, religion, about politics, about society, whatever. And it was, uh, let this be your battlefield with uh, Frank Gorshin, who was actually in this film, apropos there. But I had seen it recently uh, at that point, granted this was 20 plus years ago, um, on uh, TV that weekend or, you know, around that time. And it was one of those where they come back from commercial, Kirk is in sickbay with a bunch of people, deck six, and storms out. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this isn't a turbolift. He's going into the hallway. Why is he yelling deck six? I am so confused. Yeah. This continuing education thing, we see it. And it's basically they have a 
30-second or so discussion of, okay, to let me know how he's doing, Bones, etc., etc., uh, you know, I'm going to go do this on deck six and casually leaves. <laughs> I mean, it plays totally different depending where you cut back in. Yes. Yes. You know, and so there are cases where you can definitely tighten up some scenes. And there are a couple of places where, yes, I get the idea that he's crazy. I get the idea he's back in time. You know, all this kind of stuff that did they belabor it to the point of, oh, my God, you could definitely cut that. Probably not. Did they get it to the point where you could definitely have trimmed some stuff here and there, making time to put in the nuggets you need for certain things to make sense? Yeah, exactly. And that's the judgment call. I mean, the scenes in uh, 1917, they could have tightened up, but you have to keep in. Yeah. Otherwise, the bullet wound doesn't make sense. Well, and one of the things that I wished like crazy they had done to the point that I actually called out to you as the film was running, is he in the background of one of the photos? Because she's at the podium giving a speech, going through a uh, well, slideshow. Is there a photographer there? Well, yes, there's that too. Um, but she has been saying that he looks familiar. She feels like she's seen him before. Mm-hmm. You know, and if one of those slides that has Jose on the stretcher had actually had him in the background, even if it's out of focus up on the uh, projector, on the proje- yeah, that would have been better foreshadowing for when she goes and looks like mad for the photo later, which is still hanging on her wall with all the rest of her research for the book after the book has been published. It wasn't on her wall. It was on like the uh, glass doors, I guess, of her bookcases. Yeah. Even more in the way than just being on the wall. Yeah. There are things like that which have a lack of, not follow through, not consistency, but attention to detail, a thinking through of, of where is this character at at this point. Yeah. Her book is been published. She has been doing, she's on the signing tours, yes. done signings, whatever. So it's not like it's just hit shelves. It's not like she's just finished it. The lead time on these things currently is better part of a year. Back then, it would be at least a year. Oh, yeah. It was 18 months to 24 months back then. If they had had a line of, yeah, she's working on a sequel or something, maybe. Mm -hmm. But that was one that it's like, why is this that way? Yeah. And she had gone to her file box first and then realized, oh, no, it's still on the wall. As if she's been filing stuff away finally. Yeah. So. The, the, The way they did the time travel didn't particularly work for me. Well, and it seemed different the first time versus subsequent times. We never really see how he got sent back the first time. No, but we see the condition he's in after oh, having been sent back. Oh, absolutely. He's in the future clothes, whereas the next time he's pretty much stripped down. Mm-hmm. And their aim for time travel sucks. <laughs> Very true. I mean, when we see him getting sent in time in, into the time travel thing, he's in this like plastic bubble kind of a thing. And it's almost like they're shooting him out a pneumatic tube back in time somehow. The accordion pleats around him. They aim for uh, for both times, 1996. One time they hit 1990. Not bad. Now the time they hit 1917, that's pretty far off. In the middle of a European battlefield when aiming for Baltimore. And they're sending random other people. Jose a couple of times, at mm. least twice. Yeah. And uh, the the other guy who's calling him Bob or whatever. Yeah, we didn't get a name for him. And we didn't get a name for a crazy preacher on the street who recognized him. Or why they were 
going back, what their missions were. Yeah. Or when they were sent versus him. There are a lot of things that I felt were left very much up in the air, Mm -hmm. which bother me. I mean, I'm okay with things kind of happening out of order in a time travel film. Mm -hmm. I expect that. But by the end of it, if I can't feel that they've either changed something, done something, or kind of, oh, I get what the plot was for the different, what each character thought their motivation was. Yeah. It's a little frustrating. Yeah. Well, and the guy who was preaching and said, oh, you're one of us. If Bruce Willis had been walking the other direction on the street, I would have understood how he was recognized. But with his With right, him coming up kind of behind the guy. He came up behind the guy with his right side facing the guy. No tattoos on right side. Now, uh, if his left side had been yeah, on yeah. the side with that guy, and the guy had seen the prison barcode. If he'd seen the tattoo, the barcodes, yeah, that's fair. Again, attention to detail on that one. It just doesn't quite make sense. I never knew what the guy, though, the preacher guy was doing, what his mission well, was. What was really funny was the preacher guy at one point gave one of the exact same Armageddon examples and speeches that uh, the psychiatrist had given in her book signing speech. Interesting. I didn't catch that. So I just found that kind of entertaining. Well, there was the cutting back to what wound up being the end scene at the airport with the dream sequence. We get that early on. We get that a couple of times. But the guy who's running down changes a few times. I was wondering if I just wasn't catching him correctly or what was going on with that. At one point, it was very much the Brad Kit, uh, Brad Pitt character. That's what I thought. But, uh, at the end, it's in the real version, it's uh, the David Morse character. Okay. Um, at one point, I was thinking it could have turned out to have been Bruce Willis. That's Basically, I, yeah. the, the wig and the makeup and or the, the stuff. Yeah. So- I'm sure they did spend quite a bit of time shooting that, but there are a couple of places where they were being just un- unbelievably obtuse. Hmm. They'd set up this one suitcase with a bunch of stickers. We first see it in the real version, and they make a point of not even cluing us into whose it was at first. Mm-hmm. It's like, come on, you've been teasing us this the entire movie. Yeah. Um, and it was unclear to me why the young version of Bruce Willis's character was even at the airport. Yeah. Now, of course, this was back in 1995, before they had quite the security they have now, and before they had invented things like suitcases, luggage, carry-ons. <laughs> Nobody traveling had any. Yeah. Well, and that was admittedly at a time when you could go to the airport to see people off at the gate, go to mm-hmm. the airport to pick people up at the gate, just go to the airport to watch planes take off. Yeah, you could get through security. That wasn't a big deal. You know, but even still... I couldn't tell why his parents took him through security, walked over to a gate, looked at a plane, watched somebody get killed, and then took him back out to the car. Mm. Again, those are the sorts of things that the logic of what was going on in the film didn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. You know, for that matter, why were the people in the future continually pulling their agents back forward to the present day? Why were they not trying to actually change time and prevent the plague? Mm Mm-hmm. But just try to get a sample of it at that point so they can get the cure forward. Yeah. Well, and they claimed that they were like trying to get information from him when they pulled him forward, but he had the voicemail number to leave messages at. So. Well, and how did they set that up? And if they could have set that up, why didn't they set that up way earlier? And why mm-hmm. voicemail? Yeah. That's the kind of thing. Send a postcard or something. 
Yeah. Have it go to a dead letter office that you've got all the dead letters from. Yeah. I mean, there there are much better ways to do that kind of a temporal dead drop than uh, reliant on uh, a voicemail thing that comes into play sometime between 1990 and 1996. Yeah. So that was uh, uh, implied other things going on, that there was a bigger picture that we just weren't privy to. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I expect some of that. Mm-hmm. But not for, I don't know, for this one, I never really understood the game plan the scientists in the future had. Yeah. Well, and I uh, I wasn't overly fond of the chair being elevated 30 feet off the ground and the orb that kind of... To me, that's all them. Terry Gilliam aspects of a Terry Gilliam film. Okay. You know, that's just, just like uh, Tim Burton and a few other people have kind of a signature style. I mean, vary a little from film to film, but again, the 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 high-rise chair, the orb, the pneumatic tube-looking time travel device, that was just how, you know, Gilliam and his people envisioned that world. Or for all I know, it's based on the the 1962 short film. Mm, the magnifying glasses in front of people's faces. To me, that was just annoying. I got tired of it. I you couldn't know? figure out the point, so and that's the thing. If I understand why it's being done, I can accept yes. and work with it. It seemed like it was being done to be visually interesting or different or out there. Mm-hmm. And any rhyme or reason or, I don't say legitimate reason, but understandable to me reason, mm-hmm. wasn't there. It was lost on me. And yeah. as such, it's like, well, it's not a plus. It's a little bit of a minus. Not a huge one. Yeah. But enough for me to say, eh, it was it was an okay film. Yeah. Well, I was confused by time traveling multiple times instead of one time. Uh-huh. You know? I liked that they did it multiple times. I just didn't understand why they did it multiple times the way they did it. Yeah. But a lot of time travel f- films have basically travel once to get where you're going, have your adventure, go home. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the bullet from World War One. I. I thought the payoff from that worked i didn't like the fact that it seemed to be completely pristine yes there was no damage to the bullet either from being fired or getting lodged in him true um i found it amusing as all get-go that once the psychiatrist finally decides maybe he's not nuts maybe he's telling the truth about knowing the future etc etc He's decided that he shouldn't be saying I'm from the future, etc., and accidentally starts making her think she's crazy. Yeah, there was a certain amount of him bouncing back and forth between the two time periods where I think he was kind of losing track as to what was the dream, what was the reality. Yeah. And I can understand that. Yeah, so that that scene in the hotel where he's like, maybe I should just play along with her, and she's dumb with kind of playing along with him. To me, that was hilarious. Well, yeah, when you've gone back in time and gotten thrown in the loony bin. Yeah. That, you know, I, I understand his uh, his hesitation. Yeah. I did like her painting the message he had seen on the window. Mm-hmm. And I have feeling that's what she had painted, but I appreciate your confirming that for me. Well, and him seeing it before it happens. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it really begs the question, though, in this timeline, could time be changed? And the answer seems to be no. Yeah. And I I don't buy into that theory of time travel. Well, and it's interesting because I guess I want to reread the premise of the TV show. Because they seem to be trying to stop the virus from getting out in mm-hmm. the TV show. 
Yeah, my understanding is it's a reboot of this. Oh, okay. Good. Not a continuation. And somebody gets sent back to prevent the virus and works with, a, a, I think, a female scientist. Yeah. Okay. Uh, instead of a, um, a psychologist or shrink or whatever. But I, I, I don't know. I would I'm, have to refresh my memory on the premise, too. I think I'd like that take on this world. I like the concept of somebody knows basically the bubonic plague is going to happen. And if I go back and I work with something, those millions of lives could be saved. Absolutely. But it comes down to, based on this film, time can't be changed. Mm. And I didn't feel these uh, filmmakers played fair. Mm. And if those things are that way in the TV show, which I don't expect would be the case. Yeah. That would be problematic for me. I mean, we see that the 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 army of the twelve monkeys. And again, spoilers here. They've been warned. Uh, has freed the animals in the zoo, so they're somehow running amok all over town. All the ele- all the elephants staying together, all the giraffes staying together. I mean, it's just the way it goes. Okay, that's only part of my problem. There, my real problem. That, that isn't my problem. Oh, my problem is it takes about a week for the virus to get out, mm-hmm. based on what we're told. Mm-hmm. Yet the animals are still loose. Yes. Yes. Untold decades later. My problem was with the birds from the zoo flying, the uh, the pink flamingos and such, because having gone to zoos and wild animal parks a lot when we were kids, I remember being told their wings are clipped so they can't fly. So if they couldn't fly when they were in the zoo, why can they fly when they've been released from This it? was 1995. They were much more humane to animals, but I don't know. <laughs> but... When he's when she's giving the message at the the answering machine, mm-hmm. and he's standing around, and he turns around, and there's the stuffed bear. That was funny, you know. But the thing is, it then starts to throw in my mind into question: Was he hallucinating the future? Mm. Just kind of, he was in a drug-induced stupor, walking around that area, and he saw a bear. Oh, it must be attacking. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I didn't think they were playing fair in that respect. I mean, mm-hmm. what are the odds? The exact same kind of a bear he would find in the exact place. Agreed. You know, those sorts of issues. So I think they could have done better in that respect. And it, it implies that over that week, those animals were never recaught and put put back in jail. Or, you know, yeah. jail zoo. <laughs> which is an animal jail. Let's go with that. Or they broke out of the zoo a second time, which is... As everybody yeah. is dying. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, and moving underground. Yeah. Because you're safe from viruses underground. And, oh, you can breathe fresh air until it's germ-free. Even the psychiatrist wanted to know how he could do that. Apparently, their knowledge of germs back then, not so good. <laughs> Again, I, I, I thought it was an entertaining film. Mm-hmm. I thought it was an okay film. I was not really blown away by it. Uh, I was expecting a, a stronger ending. Mm-hmm. versus uh well i guess you know we didn't save the day they're gonna get the virus information hopefully but you know we're just gonna end here we're done yeah well it's funny because i have a stack of dvds i keep for the you know i'm in the mood to watch something that because i've seen it before i don't have to pay attention mm-hmm. to every single plot point and stuff i wouldn't put this in that stack no, I was thinking that when I was wondering um, the the scientist guy's motivation for the virus. I'm thinking, you know, I could go back and watch it again and maybe get some more out of it, but I don't feel the need or desire to do that. Yeah. Whereas there are other films I've got over in those stacks over there 
that I liked, I watched, I had a fun time, but I want to rewatch. Yeah. Uh, now You See Me, Now You Don't's one of those. I thought that was a well-done film. Agreed. They're going to do a sequel to it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, that's, let, let's cue that up sometime. I got, you know, two or so hours to, to kill. Yeah, you know, Toss agreed. that in there. It was, it was a fun film. Yeah, yeah. So, but this, I'm glad I watched it. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to what they could do with the TV series on this. Yeah. Well, and I'm really curious with both where they go in this world and how they redefine it. Because I think they will. I think they should. Yeah. I, th- I would personally start it on a note where it's clear this guy did indeed time travel. Mm-hmm. But never show the future. Oh, interesting. Yeah. All we know of the future is what this guy says. Yeah. And maybe toss a little doubt as to how honest he's being. Well, and I guess a question along those lines, because we saw Jose, mm-hmm. who we know came back from the future, and I'm pretty sure was the guy in the cell next to him, but I was yes. never... Okay. I was going to say, I started doubting myself on that. Um, and I did like their system for taking volunteers, by the way. Your name has been called, and thus you have volunteered. Yeah. Um, but in Continuum, after... Two seasons, I guess. We had somebody come back from the future, but he was from a different future. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering with 12 Monkeys, if at some point that will happen in the TV show. I've always thought a good time travel premise is somebody goes back to change the past and their adversary is them from another timeline that's gone back to change the past. Mm. And their their futures are mutually exclusive. Yeah, yeah. One wins, one dies. That's the way it's got to be. Yeah. Because, you know, something goes left, it goes right, it can't go both. Yeah. No, it could go straight, and that's a third direction, and then you get a third version of the guy coming back. You know, but everybody would have a very uh, enlightened self-interest into their motivation. If, if they don't do their mission, their history is gone. Yeah. Or they hit a point where it's just irrevocably gone, mm-hmm. you know, and that could never happen in the universe we just watched mm. because nothing seemed to change the timeline. Yeah. Everything was a predestination paradox to a degree. Yes and no. Well, no, I'll say yes. I was going to say no, but then I realized they were just having really hard time piecing back together the recordings off the that voicemail account. Which is then why did they use it? Yeah, I agree. In my mind, every good time travel story, and this is how I'm defining what a good time travel story is, is you've got a timeline that moves forward. Mm-hmm. Then it hits a point where somebody jumps back in time. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, you've kind of started a second branch at that point that moves forward. Yeah. Okay. In parallel with the other one. The other one is now just kind of inaccessible, if you will. Mm-hmm. But you have the ability to kind of trace through that timeline as when how it went when no time travel had happened. Figuring that you've got three-dimensional space, time is is kind of, you know, shrink three dimensions to a dot and that's one line. Mm -hmm. And then time travel kind of gives you another X versus Y axis to to move down. And every time you time travel, you kind of bump down on that and like an integer level or some such. But with this, if he had never traveled back in time, uh, Brad Pitt's character never should have gotten the idea of the germ stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. To go, you know, not that he ever did anything with it. See, and that was the confusing thing, was Brad Pitt claiming he was going to do something with it. But that 
that was but part that of kind of tipped off his father. His father tipped off the scientist guy. Is that what instigated things? Mm. Yeah, agreed. It's unclear. Yeah. And that ambiguity, that that unclear aspect of the story is part of what I guess I'm sort of rebelling against. Well, and the other question in that same ambiguity is, did the assistant do what he did when he did it because the father told him that the Army of the Twelve Monkeys was supposed to act up when he'd We're going to beef told. up security, et cetera, yeah. Yeah. So do you know he has scapegoat? Oh, well, a scapegoat and uh, a time uh, deadline. Yeah. Do it now or I or will not be able to. Yeah. So those those issues were a little, not a little, they were very unclear to me. Mm-hmm. And again, I found that kind of frustrating. I thought the bit at the beginning with the insane asylum, that's an area I definitely think they could have tightened up the storytelling on. Yeah. And when we get the room that they're sleeping in, and all the beds are kind of in a circle. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there were probably more than 12. There were. They were referencing themselves as monkeys. I'm like, this is 12 monkeys. I mean, yeah, it didn't make sense to me for the, the place to be set up that way. No, that was a very bizarre ward to have them in. Yeah, because if somebody goes nuts, they could kill everybody else in the place. Yeah. And their security guards incredibly lax. Yeah. Oh, you're trying to escape through that elevator. It's not working. Use the other one. Wow. Tight security. Yeah. Well, and the guy on stilts changing light bulbs who's turning a blind eye. Yeah. Yeah. It does make me wonder if the TV show is going to be set back in the 90s or if it's going to be a contemporary time. Given it's a reboot, it definitely has the option of being contemporary. And I hope it is. I think it should be. Yeah. I mean, I like a good period piece. I don't know that this needs to be a period piece. Yeah. Or benefits from it. Yeah, agreed. So, I mean, I'm certainly going to... I mean, they've done the first season of the show, which went, what, 10, 13 episodes? Sounds about right. It was a sci-fi show. So probably 10. Yeah. Uh, Certainly, we'll check that out when I get the opportunity. Uh, We may do an episode on that. Yeah. But having heard a lot of things about this film in terms of, oh, it's good, you should watch it, that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. I'll be honest, I was a little let down. Yeah, I enjoyed seeing uh, Madeline Stowe as the leading lady. Uh, She's been on Revenge for four seasons. So for me, seeing her 20 years ago was just kind of a, you know, I mean, I knew she'd done quite a bit of acting. But for me, that was informative. I thought it was, uh, she did okay. I don't think it was a great role in general. Yeah. Um, And for that matter, I thought Bruce Willis did okay. I mean, I like him in Die Hard. I've liked him in some other stuff he's done. Yeah. I would not put this as, wow, if you only saw one Bruce Willis film, this is the one to watch. Not at all. Agreed. I wouldn't list it that way for anyone in it. I was amazed how little Christopher Plummer was used. Yeah. No, if you want a good Christopher Plummer film, geez, there's a probably a fairly lengthy list. Agreed. I'd put uh, the, the Star Trek movie above this. Well, if you're looking for good Christopher Plummer, I'd put the TV show Counter-Strike on I'm, the list. Yeah, it's been ages since I've watched that. I'm wondering if that's on Hulu, Netflix, or somewhere, or if it's on DVD. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah, he uh, played a, what a, a like a multimillionaire or whatever that was financing a, a team yeah, that, that would just go fix things for people. Yeah. Um, and it had a, a pretty good cast, as I recall. Yeah. So, the film... Didn't feel dated, but being set first in 1990, then 96, 97, being made in 1995, 
um, there were certain aspects that were dated, but to me, it didn't feel dated so much as it felt slightly unreal or a little off to the side. And again, to me, I, I attribute that to being a Terry Gilliam film. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a bad way. No, no, I get that. But kind of the stylistic influences uh, overrode the let's anchor it in this point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and one of the things to me that was humorous was when uh, Bruce Willis's character got pulled back to the future and they're asking him basically, you know, did you waste your time in the past? What do you do? Just find women and do drugs. Oh, no, they gave me the drugs. Yeah, the interrogations he was getting at that point were kind of funny. <laughs> Not as funny as when he came back, was in the hospital bed, and they're singing to him. Yes! I mean, to me, that made that whole thing, that threw that whole time frame into question. Well, and the blanket with teddy bears on him. I'm like, is this a dream sequence? What is going on here? And those were the sorts of things that, again, broke the suspension of disbelief, threw those things into question. How much of this can I really take as as having happened? I could never figure out if the prisoner who called him Bob was really in the future or not. Well, yeah. Why was he talking to him? When was he talking to him? What was that character's arc, plot, or motivation? Yeah. It, yeah. And again, maybe if I read a Wikipedia article or some such on this, it'll, oh, that's what was going on. And I'll have missed something obvious. I doubt it. And even if that's the case, then I missed something obvious. Well, and the flip side to that, though, is that I'm hoping because the TV show has these 10 hours or so, mm -hmm. that it's a fuller, richer world and it makes sense. I hope they've got a plan for what are they doing on a season by season basis mm. that gives each season a satisfying end and a reason to continue. Well, and with shows like this, my hope is that I can view each season as a novel. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I felt that way with Last Ship and a few other things. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly most Doctor Who seasons. They've got a through line through the season. You've got a chapterish uh, aspect to each episode, but also enough of a, it stands alone. It's a mm -hmm. solid, fulfilling chapter, not just a, like the, the chapter, you know, an act of a TV show between yeah. the commercial breaks. But, the trick for these kinds of shows is to have that arc for the season, close it off on a note that feels like, yep, it's time to take a break for a little bit, mm -hmm. but not the end, it's over, we're finished. Yeah. But also not a, yeah, you got to tune in next season. Because if you don't get the next season, that's really annoying. Yeah. Some, some shows do that better than others. Yeah, I agreed. And I've had a few where they have an episode that has such a nice, clean note of finality it's like, I, I could and feel I maybe should stop watching now. Yeah. Chuck did that somewhere in the fifth season about two-thirds of the way through. It literally ended at a point where it's, you know, they have gracefully signed off and closed off pretty much everything they need to do. And that may have been a case, and I forget how long that season went, of they had a 13-episode commitment and it got extended another mm. nine or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then they had kind of a, a another arc. Well, and I'll admit, uh, I watched the TV show Major Crimes. I'm a little worried. This season, they just found out they've got four extra episodes. They do really nice season-long arcs. They weren't expecting four extra episodes, and they normally only do about ten. So well, that's... If you've got a, a really good crew on the writing side, you do that arc, and then you do something that's almost i don't say a mini arc a mini season but a a, a, a bonus 
a bonus event kind of a thing. Yeah, and that's what I'm hoping they can do with it. But having just seen the announcement in the past few weeks and knowing they're kind of, because they tend to do half of it, have a hiatus, half of it. Yeah. You know, so they've had half of it and I'm a little worried. I'm like, so what's going to happen here? I would do that other half, have another hiatus, and then boom, here's our bonus for the summer. Yeah. But that's what I would do. It doesn't always work that way. But it, it comes down to, for those sorts of shows, how do you pace it? How do you have that arc to, to unify that season? Mm-hmm. Um, and with a show like this about a virus, how would they get it to where it's like, okay, we make progress, meaningful progress on the first season, such that if you don't get a second, it's like, okay, they're on the right track. Mm-hmm. But not they're done, they're on a cliffhanger, oh, they haven't made any progress, or all that kind of a deal. Yeah. Well, and I mean- I'm trying to think of any character in this movie that had a good arc that I was happy with, content with. You know, I mean, you look at Bruce Willis's character and we watched him right up until his death. And I can't sit there saying he became such a better person. I mean, he got out of jail. He earned his pardon. We never even found out why he was in jail. Agreed. And I think that's part of what disappointed me. History of violence. Okay. Why? Well, I mean, honestly, if you were trapped in that kind of world, society, etc., violence seems kind of likely for most people. And it seemed like most people were in jail. Yeah. I Again, mean, just, the, the future society just didn't make sense to me. Yeah. You know, about the only thing I figured out about him was that being with the psychiatrist made him a better person. But quite frankly, he was probably getting the best mental health care and in the best and healthiest relationship of his adult life for the first time in his adult life. Well, figure he had a, a post-traumatic stress disorder mm. from two back-to-back events. Mm-hmm. Seeing what he didn't realize was himself getting shot. Yes. As a young kid or him, him yeah. his older self as a young kid, he saw, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. It's confusing. Followed by pretty much the end of the world. Yeah. And then who knows how soon after that getting thrown in jail. Mm-hmm. You know, for, I mean, I don't know how long he was either surviving on his own or in jail, but he had a really rough couple of decades. Yeah. So, of course, he's messed up. Mm-hmm. Plus then thrown in time, whatever. It's, he didn't have a good arc. The psychiatrist didn't have a good arc. Uh, uh, Brad Pitt's character didn't have a good arc. The The guy who released the virus didn't have a good arc. That's, to me, the weakness of the film. Well, and uh, Brad Pitt's father, Christopher Plummer, Nobel Prize winner. Why did he invent the virus? I mean... I don't know. It, going back to the nobody had good arc, I, I just didn't understand most of the characters. Yeah. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy the film, because I did. I'm not even saying it was too long, because I wasn't sitting there looking at the clock or saying, is it over yet? I'll say it was too long. Not massively too long, but I felt I should have gotten more story, more character, more something out of it. Oh, I definitely wish there'd been more in it, Mm -hmm. but there were no points that were so slow or so tedious or anything where I was sitting there going, how is there so little in this? I'm not going to say it was shallow, but I will say it was unsatisfying. Yeah. Um, I wanted more out of the story. I wanted more out of the characters. I wanted more out of the plot. There was nothing where I was thinking, ooh, that's a cool idea. Um, I didn't hate the film, Mm -mm. but it was just okay. But I have this 
other nagging feeling that when I watched the pilot and first episode for the TV series, I'm going to be really grateful I saw this. That's what I'm thinking, too. And I think I'm going to like that because of what they do different. Yeah. And trying to understand what they saw in this that made them think we should do a TV series on this. Agreed. And I can see this being turned into a TV series. Agreed. Uh, complete with some episodes dealing with other time periods, potentially. Mm. If they go with the back and forth in time, which I hope they don't. Yeah. Interesting film. Glad we watched it. Uh, when we get a chance, we'll check out the TV show. Works for me. Anything else? that do it? That does it. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.